Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the passionate and the purposeful about the disruption being caused by advanced manufacturing in the lives of people who are working in organizations that are utilizing uh, 4.0 technologies, but also on the receiving end. The, the products and services that are being delivered are being changed, they're being made more and they're being made better because of all these disruptions. So it's incumbent upon us to get a better understanding of how Industry 4.0 is changing the landscape. And today, again, we're, we're rejoined by Mark Nash, one of my favorites. Uh, Mark brings a lot of passion to this discussion. He's currently the Vice President of Manufacturing for Outset Medical. They, have trans they are in the process of transforming dialysis as we know it. They've uh, received a number of awards uh, for their product innovation and the advancement of treatment for dialysis in ways that impact people's lives. Uh, as you may have heard in our last episode, Mark shared with us a summary of how it's so much easier to move dialysis into a smaller machine, into a smaller setting, and help people to reclaim their lives and not have their lives put on hold by the onerous task of getting dialysis three times a week. Welcome back to the show, Mark. It's great to have you again. Great, great to be back, Ron. Thank you very much. So, Mark, you left us with a very provocative thought in the last episode that I want to pick up and run with, and that is uh, your provocation that three, uh, 3D printing, additive manufacturing, Industry 4.0, it is not for the big guys. It is as important for small organizations to embrace Industry 4.0. So talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, in our last episode, you said you started out with two or three engineers, and you're now um, housing over 900 employees to build dialysis machines uh, in, the, in the global marketplace. So tell us a little bit about your story about advanced manufacturing in a small setting. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Ron. So if I, if I think about um, my journey into 4IR, every, every, kind of, every step of the way at the beginning, People were, people were saying, well, you need a lot of money. You need a lot of capital investment to get into this space. It's, it's not meant for the small organizations, the startups, the mid-sized companies. It's really meant for those large behemoth companies that we all know about. And when I started to look into it, I, I found that that wasn't necessarily true. You didn't need to have a team of 100 software developers building out applications for you. You could start with two or three. Um, you didn't need monolithic systems that have been out there for a decade different MES platforms, you could take a more agile startup approach to these projects. So that's what I started to look at doing. Um, very early on in our 4IR journey, we partnered with an organization uh, known as Tulip, which is a which is a fantastic partner of ours in the um, manufacturing execution system space. Um, and we started to look at how do we develop our own applications, not farming it out to a consultant, not, not farming it out to IT, but to have process engineers sit down and actually build the apps that were going to be used on the production floor they were going to support. Now, if we think about that paradigm shift, typically what happens, people say, hey, we want to go to an MES system. We want to go to some sort of manufacturing execution system. And they say, we're going to give it to a third-party consultant that doesn't know our product, or we're going to give it to IT. That as much as I love IT, don't build the product, or you know, and we end up having issues. Or what actually truly happens we, end up, we actually hinder the productivity of our employees because we've put in cumbersome processes. 
So we flipped that paradigm. We said, we're actually going to give it to the process engineers who are going to have to support our operators who build the product. So you better build those pro those applications as good as you can because you're going to go have to support it on the back end. Um, and that, that's what happened. And it's been a huge success thus far. That's fantastic. So when you're building these devices and you are designing the factory around it, tell me a little bit about some of the lessons learned as a small organization, because um, at Automation Alley, for example, out here in uh, metropolitan Detroit, we uh, the organization received a grant and delivered 300 3D printers to a network of small businesses. And one of the things we found is that those who are engaged were really doing a great job and it was teaching them a lot about changing the paradigm, whether or not it was their manufacturing processes or the products that they could bring to market or the way in which they brought them to market. Um, so they were learning a lot of those things, but in some cases um, it proved a very onerous thing. And, and I, think the, I think it could uh, generally be said that where industry 4.0 breaks down is with uh, employees. When they look at it and they don't understand it and they don't understand how it impacts uh, the work they're doing, instead of it being an opportunity, uh, it becomes very anxiety producing. So maybe you could take a minute to walk us through uh, the journey you've taken your employees on, because I'm assuming that many of the 900 people that you've hired over the last several years did not come to you from a fully actualized 3D additive printing world of industry 4.0. So obviously you had to kind of um, create a culture around 4.0. So maybe you could share with us a little bit about what you've learned in terms of building a team into that kind of a new paradigm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So if I think about um, the 198 people we have that are helping to build, design, collaborate within our manufacturing space, 900 globally that are helping to, to drive our business, those 190 people um, were excited for new technology, but at the same point, hesitant. They've heard the stories before of try this new software system is going to be the best thing since sliced bread, and it just tripled their work. Um, so that, that doesn't work, right? So what we did was differently. We brought them in. We brought in our not only our managers, but our, our supervisors and the employees who work on the floor. We brought them in from day one to learn about the system, for them to actually participate in designing the different applications we use. So on the floor to produce a product, we have 90 different what we call apps. And these 90 different apps weren't just built by our engineers, but were in conjunction built by our first individuals who joined the organization as, as operators. They were the ones helping to take the photos. They were the ones who were helping to ensure that our, our Spanish, because not all of our Spanishes were at the same level, was correct. Um, and, and they were really integral in making sure that those processes were correct. Um, and we do that today. Every single time we release a change to the floor, before we release that change, it goes through an operator review to make sure that the way that we're describing it and the way it's written is correct, it's easy for them to understand, and it's usable. Um, because one of the things you typically see is when someone in the back office writes work instructions and the, the operator, the person who's actually doing it, finds a better way to do it, they don't follow it. And then we're having a compliance issue. So we don't like to work that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But um, as you've been creating this culture of performance and this culture of excitement and this culture of mission, um, what are the lessons learned where uh, you may have had an employee that was very experienced that came into it, had a lot of uh, skills to bring, 
but also had some misgivings about the use of new technology and and had a sort of a you know a reluctance to embrace everything that you were putting in front of them. You know what's proven to be the most successful uh, in building a culture that you know embraces this um, as an exciting challenge and not as an onerous uh, problem that needs to be uh, eliminated. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, that's a good point. So, yeah, there there are definitely people who who have a different view of what what we sh- what should be done and what technology should be used. Um, so, first thing is just to listen to them. Try to understand from them why they have uh, they have a different impression, and mostly it's because of their previous experiences. So, you know, certain things we have done is we've we've learned some of our lessons learned was when you start to to have those individuals rather than pushing them away, bring them closer. Make them one of your champions. Make them sit with you and work with you and actually work side by side rather than just saying, hey, let me give you this task. Let's work together. And, and I'll take my time to work with them so that they see the benefit. Um, if we're still struggling at that point, um, then, then maybe we say, okay, hey, let, let, let them see through the next few months the progress we make in a different space. And then typically the people at that point come around. You know, as uh, I've been working with other folks in the uh, workforce, in the upskilling arena, what we're hearing more and more about is an augmented workforce. It's one that embraces technology, but it also changes the way people are working. Have you seen a lot of changes? I mean, when you bring someone in and then suddenly you're not you don't need that skill set anymore. How are you adjusting to that? How are you upskilling them on the fly, so to speak? That That's a uh, that's exactly what we do. We up we, we upskill our staff, right? So I think one thing important, Ron, to make clear, I don't believe that that four hours is going to remove jobs. I think it changes people's jobs, right? I, I don't think we're, we're removing jobs. I think this concept of, well, everything is going to be robots and everything is going to be mo- these huge monolithic systems producing parts. I don't think we're anywhere close to that. And frankly, with the supply chain pandemic, you saw that that didn't work for those companies who had that. So... Um, Right. From my perspective, we need to show them, hey, when we actually bring in our operators today, they go through a technology test. We put them in front of our, our in front of our touch screens and we tell them, hey, go build me this assembly. Can they follow it? Can they understand how to interact with all the different buttons? Can they actually work within our systems? That's super important. Um, but also then we start to show them, hey, in addition to just building our product, what if you were actually integral in helping to design the application for the, for the next accessory we need to build. And then all of a sudden, they're actually part of the solution. Um, and, and that's a, that's a big thing. And, and so we're, we're now really training a lot in data analytics. We're training in application design. My, my phenomenal, um, leader of organizational development just launched a class on, on UX design. So you, user experience design and how do we create the right viewing of, of, of templates and, and documents? Um, so we are shifting a little bit on how we train our staff. Now, you mentioned that you're very mindful of upskilling employees along the way. And one of the challenges in many uh, startup organizations is not that they have an absence of enthusiasm for reskilling people as they're going along, but, but time prevents that. You know, the speed to market and the speed to which everything needs to be done today often precludes that. So how do you slow down the process? You were talking earlier in, in, in our previous episode about going through process engineering and taking thousands of steps and understanding each of them and then documenting them and then refining them so that they were just way, le- way less cumbersome. How do you do that when it comes to employees? 
Yeah. So one of the things we actually did this year, which was, was something new for us, was we we built what we call the growth plan roadmap. So we have a roadmap. So we have obviously our goals and objectives of the year that we have to hit. And they're huge. They're lofty, lofty goals. And what we said is the leadership team, we said, hey, in order to hit these goals, we need a growth roadmap that trains the talent in, in, in different areas. It's either in people, people soft skills, lean or 4IR in order to hit all of these goals. So throughout the entire year, we've been launching different training programs, modules, et cetera, to make sure that as they come to finish those goals or to, to attack those goals, they have the right skills. I think this is really fascinating, Mark. Uh, for those of you who joined us, uh, our listening and viewing audience, this is uh, Disrupt Ed with our guest today rejoining us, Mark Nash, who's the Vice President of Manufacturing for Outset Medical, which is transforming the delivery of dialysis to patients around the globe now. Mark, when you talk about people coming into a small organization, the importance of using Industry 4.0, let's, you're, you're creating a whole new song sheet for people. You know, they're coming into a small working environment. And guess what? You know, if we look at the statistics right now, where the jobs are, 60 to 80% of them we're gonna find are in small businesses. So if you were to talk to a young engineer coming out of school, a young computer engineer or a materials engineer, what would you be telling them about securing um, a journey and a career path in a small business environment, in a small business, uh, but at the same time, sort of keeping integrity around industry 4.0 so that you're really still moving the ball forward? Yeah, so, so those companies exist, right? So. You know, I, I've been in large organizations and I've been in now startups and smaller organizations and they both have their pluses and minuses, right? I can tell you I sleep a lot less now, <laughs> but I think in, in, in general, um, when you look at a small organization that invests in technology, they're investing in the future of the business and they're investing in the future of their people. So finding those organizations that say, hey, we're going to put this investment, obviously where it makes sense. And they, they believe in the idea of connectivity, Agility through through flexible manufacturing or component augmentation if, if it's 3D manufacturing, that's really that's going to show you that that organization is really believing in the future of what's coming up in, from a technology standpoint. For those of you who are listening, I first met Mark in a conversation where he was sharing um, uh, some of the work that they were doing at Outset Medical uh, to launch their uh, product Tableau. One of the things I found about Mark really appealing. And uh, why I'm so glad he's back on the show is his enthusiasm for his work and his passion uh, for using the latest and greatest and helping people. You know, if you listen to Mark for any length of time, it's not too many sentences where he hasn't talked about the importance of making sure that he's be bringing people along. Mark, if you were to look at an audience of people now, as we're uh, emphasizing STEM and STEAM more in schools, as we're looking to uh, engage an audience of young people into the world of manufacturing and advanced manufacturing, what would you be saying to them uh, that would light their fire and light their interest and passion about manufacturing and about um, some of the work that you've been able to do uh, in the medical device uh, industry? Yes. So the first thing I would say is no longer is R&D only, the only sexy place within a medical device organization, right? You can see it now in manufacturing. Uh, manufacturing, as I mentioned in, the, in our last episode, is a competitive advantage for organizations. They're investing heavily, heavily in very large footprints for manufacturing. 
and they're looking at extremely new technologies to manufacture those products quicker, being more nimble and being more flexible to how they manufacture. Um, so I think a lot of students, including myself, right, when you leave university or even in high school, you're going, okay, well, I'm going to go become a design engineer. Why? Well, design is cool. Like, what else do you what else do you know exists in engineering, right? So you say, okay, that's where I'm going. Um, but then you start to realize there's a lot of other engineering opportunities within organizations, and manufacturing is a great space where you get to you know not only use the theory and the and, and what you learn in university, but you're hands on and you're using really really cool cutting edge technology now to make manufacturing better for the people who's building it. So it's no longer the dirty shop floor that we're looking at. It's no longer the sweaty assembly plant. People are getting their hands uh, into things, but they're not necessarily getting them dirty while they're doing it. Um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Disrupt Ed, where we talk to people who are disruptors, do-gooders, the passionate and the purposeful. But I also have to remind our audience our disruptors also are a special breed that have a very high GSD index. And if you've had the opportunity to listen to Mark on both of our episodes, you can hear um, from his voice and from his uh, narrative that he has a very high GSD index. He gets shit done. So, Mark, thank you for sharing your story with us. Any last thoughts for a viewing and listening audience today? Just keep going, get shit done. The more grit you have, the further you'll go. Fantastic. This has been another episode of Disrupt Ed Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Ron Stefanski. And this afternoon, we've had the pleasure of listening to Mark Nash, Vice President of Manufacturing for Outset Medical. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. And stay tuned for our next episode of Disrupt Ed. Thank you all. Thank you.